Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 7. <clears throat> and it says, uh, we're really going to talk about verse 5 and 7, uh, 5 through 7, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, but the passage, uh, we're going to begin reading from verse 3, and it says, I thank God whom I serve with pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son. He's writing a letter to his spiritual son, letting him know how much he loves him and how much he's concerned for him. And he wants to encourage his spiritual son. I'm grateful for people like the Apostle Paul that live in our modern day times, that they just want to care for the people that God has entrusted them. And so here he says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt, notice, notice says, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Notice he's saying that this is not your mama's faith or your grandmama's faith. You have made this faith your own. <laughs> Therefore, I remind you to, and this is kind of like where we're going to land today. I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Again, here we hear it again. Which is in you through the laying on of hands. Verse 7, and we conclude with this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Verse 7, one more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Would you take a few seconds just to bow your heads? Um, and just pray with me. But before you do that, I want you to give your neighbor the title to today's message. And I want you to give him the title to today's message, and that's this. Stop second-guessing your calling. Woo! Now look at your other neighbor tell him that's for you too. <laughs> tell him, stop second-guessing your calling. Now, but tell them like you mean it. Come on, you guys are saying it like, no, you're calling. I say, stop second-guessing your calling. Now, I dare you to prophesy to your neighbor and tell them you are blessed, you are favored, you are called, you got a purpose. Come on. If they're not listening to you, slap them and tell them you are. Stop second-guessing your calling. Help me pray. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these next few moments, God. We just believe, God, that when we come to this place, Lord, the church has walked into the building. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a word for today and you are going to speak to your people. Every single individual that's here today has been marked by you. You have drawn them to hear this message, God. And Lord, forgive me for considering this some type of ordinary message for every time that you speak is extraordinary, God. 
We thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to preach before the most amazing church in the world. I'm married to the hottest woman on the planet, and I'm blessed with some amazing kids. In Jesus' name, we pray, and God's people shout, amen. And amen. Uh, you, you know, I love that. I love the idea that, that God loves me. You know, uh, I, I, anybody blessed to just know that God loves you. You know, God loves you. I mean, if you know what, you want to know what the gospel is? The gospel is that God loves you. And I'm, I'm blessed to just know that God loves me. I'm blessed that God loves me for who I am, just the way I am. And God loves me not just for my good looks. He loves me like my wife. My wife loves me for my good looks. But God loves me uh, just the way I am. With my weaknesses, with my failures, with my shortcomings, God loves me the way I am. Uh, but, but I'm starting to feel like, I'm starting to feel like he, he might love Lisa a little bit more than me. I'm starting to feel that way because, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm starting to feel like he just might love her a little bit more than me because, you know, for one, he answers her prayers a lot quicker. And, and, and not only that, he doesn't just, like when she connects to God, like when I have to connect to God, it takes me about like two hours of prayer. Lisa, it takes about two minutes of just crying. Like he's there. Poof. And, and like, I don't know, every time I argue with Lisa, I just trip and fall. Every single time. Like I'll just say something slick. Poof, poof. And she won't even like, ah. she'll be like, thank you, Jesus. You're worthy. Let him know, Lord. Let him know. And, uh, you know, her and I have this, you know, when we have passionate discussions, if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when we have these passionate discussions and we have these conversations, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're arguing and, and you need to recall something in an argument, you need to remember, remember the proper thing. And the problem is that for the most part, my wife, uh, I'm one of those guys that I remember facts. I don't. Uh, if there's one thing that I remember is that I remember facts. Any men in the house remember facts. We know facts. We know what actually took place. We know what was actually said. We know what actions were taken. Uh, my wife is a little bit different than I am. My, wi my wife remembers feelings. And she doesn't know what was said. She doesn't know what took place. But she darn knows how she felt when it happened. And, and that's a little troublesome when you're trying to have a discussion. And her and I are trying to have a discussion. And, and one of the things that I've made an appeal for is that I've said, you know, hey, hey, can we just do something real quick? Like, you're amazing at some things. But one of the things that I'm pretty good at is I'm good at, at remembering stuff. I memorize my messages. I memorize scripture. Like, this is something that I kind of do. I just, can we lean in on me when it comes to recalling what happened? I know you remember what, how you felt, and what, but that's not actually what was said that's not actually what took place what actually took place place is a b and c and these are called facts okay and so I said hey can you lean on me when it comes to remembering things that happen and she goes but what if you're wrong and I said well maybe the two percent chance that I'm wrong might be a possibility but can we just lean on the fact that I know these things that happen and it by chance by somehow it's more reliable to depend on something that uh, someone is good at rather than something someone might not be so good at and she goes yeah but then that means that if you don't remember it, it didn't happen I said yeah but I remember mostly everything that did happen she goes well how do you know 
And I don't think she's understanding what I'm trying to do here, but um, uh, what happened a couple of weeks ago is that we were taking a drive to a church called Ignite Church. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, when, she doesn't like to drive, so she's, 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 uh, she's getting off the bridge. And she goes, listen, can you make sure that if I'm the one that's going to drive, she, uh, she doesn't like to li- drive in New Jersey. She goes, can you make sure that if I'm going to be the one driving to New Jersey, can you at least be guiding me as I go? I said, absolutely, I'll make sure that I'm guiding you when we're going to New Jersey. And she goes, so we're exiting the expressway. She goes, where do I go now? I said, you're going to go down the block, and when you see the Dunkin' Donuts, you're going to make a right. And she says this to me. She says, oh, you're going to ask me to make an illegal right? at Dunkin' Donuts? And I said, no, you're going to make a right. Why would it be an illegal right? She goes, because there is a sign there that says no right turns. <laughs> so I don't know about you, like you ever have an argument and two weeks later, you want to use a perfect example to win the argument that took place three weeks ago? So I said, I gave her the condescending pat on the shoulder, you know, hey, honey, honey, you know the one that you got to look at when... Like, why are you tapping my shoulder? She, I'm like, honey, honey, um, this is what I mean. See, what happens, and I start creating a nice little sermon for her, and I say, see, what happens is, is that usually when we go this way, we actually go into Dunkin' Donuts. And when you go into Dunkin' Donuts and you exit Dunkin' Donuts, there's actually a sign there that says no, turn, no turning left. And so what you're remembering is something you felt, which was a, an instruction. You were remembering that the instruction was not to turn. But what you don't remember with pinpoint accuracy is that the sign is not actually in the place that you said it was. It was in the Dunkin' Donuts, and it, was, it said don't turn left. But we're not going to Dunkin' Donuts today, so where we're turning is actually perfect for us to turn. She said, just like this, okay. So, so, so we drive over to Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm like, this is going to be amazing. What? And, and this is where I feel like God loves my wife more, because I just genuinely believe God put that sign there. And when we approach, what do we see? No right turn. So, so I start like, I'm like, God, you, you, know, you know what I mean? I, that sign was not there. And she's like, that sign has been there. This is what I'm trying to tell you. So, so what were you saying about your memory and you remembering stuff? We need to put into question every argument we ever had. This is like making a murderer case. And we're going to whip out the files and we're going to second guess every single argument that you won based upon your memory. And I start second guessing my whole life. I'm like, yo, I was so sure. I was without a doubt convinced that there was no sign there and what she remembered was something else. And I'm over here second-guessing every argument her and I ever had that I told her to depend on my memory. And I'm like, man, she might be right half the time and I've only given her credit 10% of the time. And I'm just like second-guessing everything. Like, I don't know about you. Have you ever been in an experience where you're just in a season of second-guessing things? How about in a season of maybe second-guessing yourself? Like, I know when I I first had my son, Bishop, who is 13 years old, and I first, I remember bringing him home, and I remember the first time he got sick, and I remember the first time he threw up, and I I can't forget it. He was just a baby. We were holding him in our hands, and here is Bishop laying down on his back, and he threw up, and when he threw up, the vomit fell on his eyes, and he had little puddles of vomit inside his eyes, and I thought, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Like, I'm a terrible father. I thought I was going to be a good father, but my son is drowning in his own vomit. How good am I as a father? What am I doing here? And I just, I just 
started second guessing me as a father. Like, yo, I'm never going to be able to be the good father. Like, I can't even save myself, save my son from his own vomit. How am I supposed to save him from life? Like, what? Have you ever second guessed yourself? Have you ever second guessed how, let's ask this more specifically, have you ever second guessed your calling? Have you ever second guessed the call of God over your life? Well, can I tell you something that you're not, you're actually in good company. You're not alone. Because the scripture that we're talking about today in 2 Timothy chapter 1 is the apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son in a season where he kind of seems like he is second guessing the call of God on his life. When he says this to him, he says, listen, uh, 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 the, the God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's trying to communicate to a condition that Timothy was having it during this season. You see, Timothy is approaching, he's getting word, the Apostle Paul is getting word that Timothy is walking a little sheepishly. He's walking a little cowardly when it comes to opposition. He's walking a little scared to his calling. And he started, he started off real good, but now he's starting to second guess his journey. During this time, the, uh, uh, if you look at history, you'll see that about, uh, he was the pastor of about 100,000 members. Now, if you're a pastor of 100,000 members, you started off right. You started off good. And in this season of Timothy's life, the apostle Paul sees that he started off good, but now he's getting word that there's a lot of opposition taking place because Timothy is now the that lead target for persecution because his church is growing, people are developing, the kingdom is advancing, and now opposition is taking place. Now, now war is taking place. Now things are, are becoming troublesome for Timothy. And it seems like in this text, Timothy is in a place where, I, you know, I'm just not sure anymore if I can continue with this. Have you ever second-guessed the call of God in your life? And kind of look at the language. Look at the language here. It says, when I call you to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. But look what he says. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift. Someone say, stir it up. He says, stir up the gift. Look at what he says again. Which is in you. He's saying, listen, I need you to know something, Timothy. I need you to, I need you to remind yourself in this moment of doubt, in this moment of uncertainty where you feel like you're second-guessing the call of God on your life, that God has placed something on the inside of you that started long before you did. <laughs> Not only that, but it was affirmed by God and it was placed on the inside of you, but also it was affirmed by your parents and it was also affirmed when people laid hands on you. There's a call of God on your life, Timothy, and if God called you to pursue it, then God will empower you to do it. And I could imagine, Timothy, can you imagine the intimidation, the insecurity of this, of one of the Bible's youngest pastors? Timothy is a young, young, young pastor, and 
And he has this huge responsibility. And I could just imagine Timothy, at one point, the apostle Paul has to encourage him. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, man. Don't let anyone look down on you. Young, what is he communicating? He's been, stop second-guessing what, what God has called you to do. But he says, stir up the gift. He says, stir up the gift. Look at the person next to you. Tell him, stir up the gift. Say, stir up the gift. Uh, when we look at this word gift, watch this. When we look at this word gift, we often think about some type of supernatural ability or some type of talent. But when the Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy, his spiritual son, what he, the word picture here or the picture that he's trying to paint here is not so much of a gift and talent. The word gift actually carries this notion, a unique grace for a specific work. <laughs> a unique grace. He says, stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. You know what he's saying? He says, stir up the unique grace for the specific work that God has assigned you. Uh, you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, Timothy, you have a purpose and you have a, a, a job to accomplish and it's not for someone else to accomplish because my boy Luke who is traveling with me he has a unique grace to accomplish the specific work that God has for him you know our boy Barnabas he has a unique grace to accomplish the specific work that's inside of him and my boy Mark yeah he has a unique grace to accomplish the specific work that God has placed in him but you need to remind yourself that there is a specific grace that has been given to you to accomplish the work that God has assigned you. He's saying, Timothy, stir up the gift and stop second-guessing your calling. Timothy, at this point, he's functioning a little lesser than what his potential is. He's allowing this thing kind of to creep into his life, and he's allowing and sometimes you just need to remind yourself. He says, remember, 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 remember. It's in you, it's in you, it's in you, it's in you. Why are you can doubt? Listen, you can second guess yourself, but you can never second guess your calling because the call of God has nothing to do with what you've placed inside of you. God has placed it inside of you. God has already made the deposit. So when you go to cash that check, it's there because he's made the deposit. And I don't know about you, he's saying, Timothy, you need to remind yourself. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I feel like I'm less than what God has called me to be. I'm less than, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't have the potential to do this. I can't seem to be like the people that are on stage. Little do you know, if you would understand that we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord as well. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to tell myself, you know what, Rolando? You're called. You're blessed. Your destiny is anybody in this place that can and say, I'm going to remind myself of the goodness of God. I'm going to remind myself that I am righteous even when I don't feel like it. Stop second guessing your calling. Uh, Timothy, Timothy, stop second guessing your calling because you have more on the inside of you than you can ever use up in your lifetime. You have more on the inside of you. And he says, for God has not given you a spirit a fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. Porque Dios no te ha dado un espíritu de cobardía. Pero, pe, no pero, pero, pero de poder, de amor 
is our mandation. He says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. So if you have fear, know that it did not come from me. Now, now understand this. He says, I didn't give you, he didn't say, I didn't give you fear. <laughs> he says, I didn't give you the spirit of fear because many times we, don't under, we understand fear as an emotion. But if you understand that there's actually a spirit behind that emotion, you would understand that I don't need to address my fear with an emotional means. As long as you're uh, identifying with something from an emotional standpoint and you're not addressing it from the spiritual standpoint, you'll always find yourself at the receiving blows of that emotion. He says, he, he, says, he says, I have not given you a, not, I, not, I have not given you fear. I have not given you the spirit of fear. Meaning, Timothy, you could be feeling the emotions, but know that those emotions come from a spirit. <laughs> see, see, those emotions are what you're experiencing, but they're being fed from a spirit of fear. See, I want to let you know something. You are always being spirit-led. <laughs> You know how so many times like, yeah, you got to be spirit-led. Yeah, we're always being spirit-led. Always being spirit-led. Whether you walk right or you walk left, you're always being spirit-led. Here's the question. Are you being spirit-led by a spirit of fear or a spirit of God? <laughs> That's the question. The question is not, am I being spirit-led? The, the question is, what kind of spirit is leading us to move into action? And he says, hey, listen, can I, can I talk to you for a second? Because you've been operating under a spirit of fear, and I need you to understand that you can't address it from emotional needs, uh, emotional means. You need to address it from spiritual means. And here's how you do it. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. If you're walking in fear, understand this. God did not put it there. In the Greek, this is what, this is in the Greek when he says a spirit of fear, watch this. When he uses the spirit of fear, there's so many fears that we encounter. But in the original language, when he's communicating this specific fear, he's not talking about some of the top ten fears in this country. Like one of the top ten fears in this country is one of my greatest fears, which is getting old. In a couple of days, I'll be 26-ish. I'll be celebrating my 10th anniversary of my 26th year of living. And, and there's this fear of getting old. He's not talking about that fear. There's a fear sometimes of, there's a top 10 fears, being poisoned. There's a fear of being a coward. So your fear is of being fearful. There's, you ever heard of germaphobe? There's a fear of germs. There's a fear of public speaking. There's a fear of death. There's a fear of loneliness. And what, and what he's saying in the original Greek, when he says the word fear, the Greek word Paul is using for fear is specifically denoting a timidity in the struggle of the kingdom of God. He, he's saying, he's not talking about, this is not just any fear. He's, saying, he's talking about a fear with attention, with functioning in the kingdom of God. God. He's saying the Lord didn't give you a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity to function in the kingdom of God. Because so many people are brave for so many other things, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, we walk around in timidity. 
And you know what he's saying there? He says, you don't, have, well, you don't have germophobia, you don't have arachnophobia. What you might have is, you, if I was a doctor, I'd be looking at Timothy in the face. He's saying, he's saying to Timothy, hey, you, you're, showing, you're showing symptoms of uniquely colophobia. You'll get that on the way home. <laughs> your phobia is of your fulfilling your purpose. He said, hey, I know you, you don't, it's not that you have the condition, you're just showing symptoms of it. And, and, and you're letting fear creep, that you're letting that kind of fear creep in. It's, it's the fear of uniquely colophobia. You'll get that at home. It's fear of fulfilling your, your purpose, Timothy. Your, your, see, and, and many times, let me tell you, let me tell you, church, we underestimate this fear. We underestimate the fear of fulfilling the assignment that God has given each and every one of us. We underestimate. We, we kind of think like, we kind of like, oh, it's not a really a fear. Just, it's all in, all in God's timing. All in God's timing and God, and we're waiting on God to say, God is saying, I've been waiting, excuse me, I've been waiting on you. It's kind of like we, and, and the idea is this, that we're, he says, you know how I know you have the symptoms because you're approaching your calling in timidity instead of tenacity. You're approaching your calling in fear instead of fervency. You're approaching your calling, a baby stepping when you should be running towards your calling. That you should not, and that, let me tell you, the enemy, whew, if he can just get you to fear your calling, <laughs> If he can just distract you enough for you to just kind of approach your calling with timidity and approach your calling with, with fear and, uh, instead of approaching your calling with fervency and tenacity. He, he, listen, he's okay with you coming to church and sitting on a bench. He's okay with us coming to church and maybe singing a couple of songs. Listen, as long as I keep him in the tension of, 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 of not fulfilling their purpose. As long as I keep them in the tension of not doing what God has called them to do. They could come to church. They could sing a couple of songs. They can sing Kumbaya in front of the, the fireplace. They can do whatever they want as long as they don't fulfill their purpose. As long as they don't believe all that God has spoken over their lives. As long as they're taking like, instead of running towards the call of God, I'm okay with it. We kind of underestimate the fear of fulfilling our purpose. Timothy, you may not feel what God has given you, but it's because there is a spirit working, and you think it's just feelings, but there's a spirit working. But God made a deposit in you, and when you make a deposit, you know it's there. And God said, I didn't make a deposit of fear. I made a deposit of power, love, and of a sound mind. See, Timothy knew he had something, but he didn't know what he had. <laughs> Timothy, you can't have fear when you're working with such a God that is above you, before you, behind you, beside you, and within you. Like, do you understand who is in you, Timothy? Because that person didn't give you a spirit of fear. You know, sometimes when we, you know, this is one of the reasons that we talk about growth track so much. Because growth track is not something we offer. Growth track is what we do. When we talk about growth track, what are we saying? Hey, listen, run towards your calling with tenacity. 
When we talk about growth track, we're saying, hey, listen, get plugged into the church. Learn about who God called you to be. Nothing that God has called you to be is outside of the function of a church. Can I say that? Can I get an amen? amen. And so maybe you're here today and you have second guests you're calling, but I want to let you know that you have more on the inside of you that you can ever use up in a lifetime. And if you believe that in this pray place, I dare you to give God some praise in this house. <laughs> you know, some of us will we'll second guess the call of God, uh, uh, second guess the call of God over our lives, and we'll second guess everything so much so that we'll second guess ourselves outside of the will of God. But God says, listen, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit of timidity. I didn't call you to be a coward. I gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Here's the first thing he says, Timothy, you got power. Oh, 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 but when we hear power, isn't it awesome that we hear power and we think about, we think about like overtaking, we think about conquering. In the original language, what he's trying to communicate to uh, Timothy is not so much a power to overcome and gain ground. It's not a power of conquering. Isn't it amazing when we're able to conquer things? Isn't it amazing we're able to overcome things? And sometimes when we're not able to do that, we don't think that the power of God is working on our lives simply because we're not overtaking, we're not overcoming, we're not gaining new ground. But the power that Paul is speaking about this to Timothy is actually not a power of overcoming, but it's a power to not be overcome. If you can get this, man, you would, you would realize that the God we serve is a lot greater than you think. He, he's not talking about, you see, because Timothy may have felt like I was gaining ground. I was gaining ground, but now I'm in a point that I'm in a standstill. And I know, and now I feel like I need to retreat. And now I feel like I need, I need to give up. He says, I'm giving you the power to not give up. Whew. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of not giving up. I think sometimes we look at, at not giving up as some type of secondhand stuff. But let me tell you something. When he says to Timothy, you have received a power, not only a power of conquering, but what about the power of not being conquered? <laughs> look, 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 look at the word, look at the word he, he uses here in the original language. It's, it's a power to patiently endure. <laughs> it's a power to steadfastly, steadfastness in resisting. It's a power that resists great danger and difficulty, a power to bear up under trial, a, pro, a, a power to triumph even under persecution. I think many times we overlook surviving. I'm preaching to someone today. I think we overlook and we underestimate the power of surviving. And I know, listen, I, I just genuinely believe that God didn't just call us to survive. He's called us to thrive. But I want to let you know something. Much of my thriving story has always began with a surviving story. And many times we think simply because we, we're not thriving and we have just survived the hurricane. Can I tell you something? 20, 2012, here's the picture that I want you to catch. In 2012, there was a hurricane that hit our country and specifically in Staten Island. And guess what? <clears throat> we did nothing to overcome that hurricane. But the victory was not in overcoming the hurricane because there was nothing that we can do to overcome the hurricane. But the victory was not to be overcome by the hurricane. Yeah. Woo! 
What does that mean? That means that the hurricane is no longer here and I'm still here, which means this, that if you're still alive and well and you're breathing and you still got a voice and you still got a mind, guess what? There is a purpose in your life. You have not, there is power working in your life. Listen, you may not have been, you may not have not, you may have not been able to conquer the situation, but the fact that the situation did not conquer you is evidence that God's power is working on the inside of you. Listen, you may have not conquered the divorce, but the fact that the divorce didn't overtake you is a fact that God's power is working on the inside of you. Do we got any people in this house that say, I got power to not be overcome? I got the power to not be overcome. It's a power not to possess, but a power to hold on to and not let go what you have already possessed. And he says, listen, man, you've already, you know this. You've been operating in your calling. Why are you taking steps back? Why are you letting fear creep in? I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of power. A power to what? A power to not be overtaken. And the I've given you a spirit of love. I've given you a spirit of love. Of love and of a sound mind. And when he says, I've given you a spirit of love, the picture that he is painting for his spiritual son, Timothy, is this. It's a love that is willing to do the dangerous in spite of logical thinking. It's a love that is willing, that makes me do the dangerous. Ooh. See, some of us do the dangerous, and, and that's just because we're crazy. Amen? But the love that he's talking about is a love that, a love that is able to pursue danger in spite of any logical thinking. Let, let, me, explain, let me explain myself. We're, I'm one of those guys that I, I'm scared of fire. I don't know if there's other human beings that are scared of fire. You know that, you know that idea? Like, I, I, I cook almost every day. I make my, my meals, and I prep. And, and you know what happens to me? I never get burned. Never. You know why? Because I make sure I stay away from the flames. You know why? Because I don't want to get burned. You know why? Because I'm scared of fire. Uh, my wife also cooks every day. And, my, you know, like, you know how when you say, hey, let your kid touch the fire, he'll never touch it again? My wife didn't learn that lesson. She got burn marks all over her hands. Maybe I love you, where's she? But you know what? As scared as I am of fire, as petrified as I am of the flames, if there was a burning house, all they got to do is tell me that my son is in it. <laughs> For the fear that I have of fire to be cast out, by the love I have for my son. Oh, I hope somebody's hearing me today. What he's telling Timothy is that, listen, you're still operating under fear because there's still not a greater love that is in you. It's the same thing that John said when he wrote in 1 John. Look at this verse, 1 John chapter 4, I believe. 1 John, such love has no fear. There is no 
room in love for fear. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, fear, I ain't got room for you. Tell them, look at the person on the outside. Tell fear, I ain't got room for you. Shout it out at the top of your lungs. Tell fear, I ain't got room for you. I ain't got room in my marriage for you. I ain't got room in my life for you. I ain't got room in my finances for you. Fear, there's room, room. Because perfect love, watch this, perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love. Why? Why? Because, listen, I don't care how big the flames are. I don't care if the whole house is filled with my with flames. If my son is in there, I run to the building as if there's no flames at all. Why? Because the love I have for my son disappears the flames that I fear. So I walk into that house with no fear, with no timidity, with no trepidation. Timothy, young, young lad, young boy, young Timothy, I want you to know that there is a call of God over your life and God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Stop second guessing your calling. Stop second guessing your calling. Stop second guessing your calling. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit that would make you walk towards your calling with fear and trepidation and timidity and cowardliness. I gave you a spirit of power to not give up, of love to run towards the flames, whether you're scared or not, and a spirit of a sound mind. Christ uncensored, when he says a spirit of a sound mind, what he's saying is a mind that is settled with what, what God says is right is right. Timothy, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've been hearing too many voices in your life. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, the reason that you feel like you don't have a sound mind at this moment is because there's just so many, there's so many voices, and, and you're unsettled, you're unsettled, and you're constantly walking. This is what your mind, you look like you're doing the salsa, and you, you just can't, you can't just figure it out. And he says, Timothy, would you just, would you just know how to be settled, whether it's good times? See, Timothy, what's happening with you is that when times are good, you get real excited, and you feel like you can take over the world. But what's also happening is when you feel opposition, you begin to shrink back, and you begin to be scared. And you need to be good, you need to be good at not winning so much. What does that mean? That means, guess what? We're not going to always be in a position that is winning. But we got to learn how to not win at times and still be solid in our faith. We got to learn how to lose some battles sometimes and still be solid in our faith. We got to learn how to take a couple of L's in the short term so that we can take the W at the end of our life. We got to learn how to lose to pride so that we can win we in hope humility. You this podcast. And he's saying, listen, the Lord didn't give you a spirit of fear. The Lord didn't give you a spirit of trepidation. The Lord has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit that says, I'm settled no matter what comes to my left, no matter what comes to my right, no matter what trouble comes my way. I'm settled in my calling. I'm settled in my purpose. I'm settled in all that God has assigned for me. If you believe that in this house, I dare you to open up your mouth, get up on your feet this hour, and say, I am called.